0: Gold. so welcome back everybody this is another episode uh today we are talking about masculinity and what that means in 2020 and so uh, it should be a good time talking about all things masculinity i have my good friend robbie here today um, he's one of my former colleagues and he's gonna come and don his knowledge on us how are you doing <laughs> Rob?
1: i'm hanging in there man i'm doing what i can
0: i feel that are you doing okay with all the the, the foolishness in the world are you protecting your energy
1: Oh man, I'm doing whatever I can every day to protect my energy. Feels like, uh, you know, we're we're literally living through history right now. So, got to do what I can anytime that I can.
0: You know, most of our adult lives has been history. I, I, I'm okay with slowing it down just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like with election coming up, that's not going to change anything. So we just going to take it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, do I yeah. I'm ready for November to be here already. Oh, the political ads, oh my gosh.
0: Yes, and we work in education, and we both are in conservative states. Oh yeah. And all that is gonna come with it, so it'll it'll be a good time.
1: It'll be a really good time.
0: Uh, I remember 2016, that was rough, so.
1: Oh man, (laughs) don't take me back, don't take me back.
0: (laughs) Okay, we we won't go down that road. All right. So, to get us started, I got a couple we're going to play a, a new game. So, this is the first time I'm trying this out, so you are uh history making podcast history right now. Okay. So, normally I ask a question, uh, but this time I'm going to play word association. Ooh, so, I'm, okay. I'm going to say some words to you and then just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind whether it's a word, phrase, sentence, whatever, whatever you want to do. Sounds okay.
1: Good? Sounds good. All right. First word, weakness. Oof, emotion.
0: <laughs> okay. Strength.
1: The uh, first thing I think of is weightlifting, like being in the gym.
0: Okay. Femininity.
1: Uh, women. Gender roles. Traditional. And masculinity. Complex. That
0: that that is very true, Uh, and that is a good segue to what we're going to talk about today: Uh, masculinity and whatever that means in 2020, and how do we define it, and all of that. Okay, are you you prepared for that?
1: I am as prepared as I can be, I suppose.
0: (laughs) As you once told me, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yes, that's true. That's a good point. (laughs) Very true. Very true. All right,
0: so I guess in order to kind of work through understanding masculinity, I first want to start with understanding how you your uh, definition of it has changed over time. So we'll start from kindergarten Robbie, and then we'll transition all the way up to current Robbie. And so I guess as you think through the various seasons from like growing up, what are some like prominent moments or like messages that you received growing up to kind of help you change or like sense what masculinity meant?
1: Oh my goodness, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I can remember, I don't know if this was kindergarten or if this was just really, really young age, but um, I can remember sort of my first thoughts um, in terms of the differences between boys and girls at that po- point in my life um, and like what, uh, obviously there's physical differences, but like what different traits um, that boys had that were that were typical or traditional and then what traits girls had that were um, seen as traditional and sort of how those played out as we grew up. Um, and I remember asking my parents like what that was and them giving me a very um, like, it's not simple kind of answer. Like <laughs> you're going to, you're going to learn over the course of your life and there's nothing that we can say to you right now that's going to make sense to you, um, which in retrospect, I kind of appreciate that, that they didn't try to box me into a definition of what each of them mean. Mm-hmm. Um but, but yeah, I would say, you know, that, that's one of the first conversations I remember having when I was young and, you know, th- as I grew up, I, I, in my own sort of brain or, or heart, I guess, noticed how, um, how there was these societal norms, right. And the, these sort of, uh, expectations of men and expectations of women. And honestly, at the time I didn't have any sense of what it meant to be trans or non-binary or anything other than man or woman. Um, That really didn't come until probably college, honestly. But, um, but yeah. So I I just remember thinking, you know, here are the typical uh, characteristics or roles that a a woman might play in society, Uh, and here are the typical roles that a man might play. And it was always for when it comes to masculinity, it was always about like, okay, you have to be um, the moneymaker. You have to be the um, sort of non-emotional, logical. Um, voice of reason in your relationships. And I knew from a young age that that, I mean, I have reason, but I was never the voice of reason in my friendships and in my relationships. I always had sort of this, uh, I don't know, like my, my starting point is to be in my in my emotions and to be wading through them um, and trying to figure them out in real time. So, you know, when I'm in kindergarten, first, second, third grade, whatever, i'm noticing i'm doing a lot of noticing of what these roles are and and what i'm supposed to be versus how i am if that makes sense
0: it mm-hmm, is
1: and i can remember when i got to middle school and started like dating um what that meant inside of a relationship like a romantic relationship right how um sort of structured I needed to be or how uh, checkboxy I needed to be in a relationship based off of traditional societal norms. Uh, And then what I can't be, I think, was specifically what sat sat the most with me. Um, So I can't be the one that cries, I can't be the one that expresses emotion, I can't be the one that, um, you know, that sort of has uh, what somebody might see as feminine traits. And it was never one person saying to me, you can't do this. Right. It was based off of solely what I was picking up from school, from, you know, the world, things that are happening in the world, pop culture. Um, and then even like friends, uh, like their families, um, and, and my own family, of course, as well. So, and then really from there, I mean, it just. In, from my perspective, it has just started to bloom. Like I started to understand what masculinity could mean and sort of what sort of boxes I'm putting myself into, um, and what boxes maybe society's putting me into. And it, it honestly has evolved into this, um, this sort of headspace now where I'm in that, you know, masculinity is never one definition. <laughs> like I can't think of one thing that specifically divines masculinity for everybody if that makes sense
0: Oh yeah That's, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah
1: so I'm trying to still figure out what that means and one of my main uh, one of my main areas of interest specifically in higher ed has been to research uh, the experiences of men on college campuses and sort of how you, you know men come to campus and how they uh, are taught to navigate based off of the culture at traditional, uh, higher ed institutions. Um, that extends into almost every aspect of their life, right? Whether they're going to be involved in maybe a Greek letter um, organization, or they're an athlete, or uh, maybe they're involved in housing or what it is, you know, that for me, it's it's trying to figure out how they can realize for themselves what sort of uh, definition they might have for masculinity. And then Trying to break out of the norms, trying to break out of this box that society is saying you have to be in
0: okay that's, that's you're doing good work there man that's that's <laughs> something that's really needed on these college campuses because uh, they're the future leaders of America, and if we don't give them a good foundation, it might turn into you know some more cycles that we're seeing and leaders of all kinds and all sectors in life, and so uh keep keep doing the Lord's work, Robbie
1: <laughs> I appreciate that
0: <laughs> uh, all right, so I have a question kind of going back a little bit, so. You were saying uh, as you was kind of growing up, you was kind of noticing like how you are versus like how society expected you to be. And mm-hmm. so I guess, do you remember kind of like how did you work through that? Like did, that, did you have conversations with people or like how did you work to like be OK with like not being what society told you you're supposed to be?
1: Yeah, I remember having conversations with my dad about, um, you know, what, what does it mean to be a man? Right, And, and, you know, for some context, uh, my dad grew up in a very sort of religious household Uh, based off of what I know. It was a very faith based and religious household. And uh, his his father was very strict, um, very discipline oriented. You know, if you if you want to succeed, you have to put the work in. You have to put um, one foot in front of the other and just outwork everybody. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, even to this day, we have conversations about this. I can't remember him telling me um, you know, the ways in which his relationship with his father impacted the way that he navigates the world. Um, but he was never strict with me in how I need to be. I mean, he was, he certainly, you know, he was very disciplinary. I mean, it was, I was always sort of disciplined um, when I was a kid, whenever I'd get in trouble. And, uh, and that shaped our relationship and that shaped my relationship with, um, who I'm supposed to be and who I'm not supposed to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, I would be lying if I said some of this stuff wasn't problematic, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, whether you believe in, um, uh, you know, hitting kids or whatever, that's, I'm not here to tell you one way or the other is right. But, you know, for me personally, that was something that was a part of my, uh, my childhood and it wasn't like hitting for blood. It was hitting to make a point, um, but that that shaped my relationship with him and what we when we talk about masculinity and we talk about what it means to be a man well if somebody's hitting me my my first reaction is to have emotions Mm -hmm. right like my first reaction is to have tears and to um sort of scrunch my face up and try to hide that um because he would say you know be a man don't cry you you know you're you you can't be emotional Mm -hmm. um and he has since evolved in a lot of this stuff. It's, it's actually kind of, it's kind of cool to see how he's transformed and uh, sort of what his definition of masculinity has uh, looked like after being a dad for so long. But, um, but yeah, no, I think that was sort of, I remember talking to him being some some of the first conversations I had. Um, now he would say more so don't publicly be emotional. Um, you can be passionate about something, but when I say emotion, I mean like crying. Right. <laughs> um and if I if I was going to do that, you know, it would be like take a walk, like go outside, take a walk, get yourself together, and then um come back to this conversation or come back to this situation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can think of I can can think of coaches too that uh were all men that uh helped shape what I what I thought was a good man. Um or I guess how I perceived that phrase to be what, what a good man is. Um, you know, I think of basketball coaches, soccer coaches, um, some way better than others (laughs) and, uh, you know, just how, how their approach to the team, uh, was always family oriented. It was always like, we are a unit. We all have strengths and weaknesses. You will be disciplined if you mess up or you make a mistake. Um, but we're going to move forward together. And if one of us makes a mistake, all of us are making a mistake. And so, I mean, I can think of having conversations even with teammates and coaches about some of this stuff too. And I never felt like I could be my true self around these teams, right? Like Mm -hmm. the only time I ever, ever saw somebody uh, cry um, playing baseball or any sport really is um, whether you lost a really... like a really important game or somebody was severely injured like broken arm or you know something like that Um, right that was the only time that emotions were allowed right so it was very complex those were some of the first conversations um yeah i hope that answers the question
0: no yeah that answer the question i I have plenty of follow-ups though so uh (laughs) so i guess as you think through like you know, all the messages you were receiving from your dad as they kind of evolved as you got older, but even like your coaches. Um, one thing you said that stuck out to me was, you said you didn't feel like you could be your true self. And so I yeah. guess like, how did that manifest into how you navigated spaces with like all men spaces, but even like with like relationships with other people, like romantic or like platonic, like how did you, how did it all manifest?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you right off the bat, I even in even in my friendships with other men, you know, I felt like I couldn't, Like hug them, right? I couldn't tell them that I love them. Um, Like, and those were things that I wanted to do. Those were Mm -hmm. I wanted to hug my best friend when I found out, you know, his his uh, his father passed away when when I was a senior in high school. But I couldn't because I mean I could have, but I would have felt like I was being looked down upon, not by him but by others, right? Um, Or you know, telling people that telling my friends that I love them. Um, which is very important to me, right? My friends are very important to me, and and I I make it a point to tell them that I love them. Sometimes randomly, I'll text them <laughs> and just say, "Hey, you know, I'm just thinking about you. I love you a lot, and I'm really glad that you're my life," kind of thing. When I was a kid, though, that was never that was never um, something that I felt like I could do, and it manifested in a lot of shame. If I'm honest, I, I felt like there was shame because I wasn't being my true self. So there's. Me shaming myself, and then there was shame from others when I was trying to be my true self, and it showed up outside of what the traditional definition of what masculinity mean, means. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, it, it it took a toll on me when I was young, if I'm honest. Um, and it makes me think now, like, who do I want to be as a father um, to make sure that if I have a son. Or really, if I have any child, I can make sure that they are their true selves. Uh, and and nurture that as much as I can, if that makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, it does. Uh and so I guess was so this is around like high school age, I guess. Like so how did all that like shame manifest in like your next seasons of life? So like when you went to college, uh, did different experiences kind of like expose you to new things or like did you feel like you were more empowered to start embracing those feelings and what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I feel like I got to college and the whole world changed. It was like a, a little bit of a culture shock for me, uh, which I imagine you know. I mean, you, I'm sure you know because you work in higher ed. But the, you know, there's uh, people come from everywhere, and then they come here, and it's like this might be either the biggest place they've ever been, or the most diverse place they've ever been, uh, or this might be minuscule compared to their hometown. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I remember getting to college and being like, "Oh my gosh, there's so many." things to do, so many people to hang out with. Nobody's looking over my schedule but me, this sort of independence. Uh, and I feel like I gradually started opening up uh, to people. So I, I'm i sure you can attest to this when you met me. Like I was, for me, I, when I meet people, I'm very quiet at first. I'm very sort of shy and timid. And then I open up after, over time because uh, I, I develop that sense of trust. Um, mm-hmm. If I feel like I'm around somebody and I can't be my true self at this point, um, then I, I won't open up. I mean, they, they, people might ask me questions and I'll open up, but I won't be, I won't initiate that opening. Right. Um, because I don't know if I can trust somebody yet. So, um, so yeah. And then it, I think it was key people in my life that helped me embrace this idea of like, you can be whoever you want to be and you can define masculinity however you want to. And one of those people uh, outside of, my dad, so when I got to college, one of those people was the director of housing, actually, um, at my undergrad. Uh, another one of those people was my RA, my first RA. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like this uh, this romantic story of housing and residence life. <laughs> um, but, you know, they they set the tone for how we can be in a basically independent um Uh, situation or circumstance which I found myself to be in Um, so I could I could decide where I was going to eat what I was going to eat who I was going to hang out with what time I was going to go to bed what time I was going to wake up like all this freedom that I didn't feel like I had before Um, and that sort of started allowing me to I felt like I was giving myself permission I should say, to just lead with who I am authentically as much as I can, even if I start off timid or shy. Um, But to be, to to risk that opening up because at the end of the day, if I risk it and somebody, somebody shames me for it, that says, I think more about them than it might about me. Yep. So, yeah, that's what I would, I would say that's sort of how it manifested in in college. And then after that, obviously, I mean, I got involved and I was, uh, I moved and moved to Ohio after that and then did two years there. And I was seen as a mentor and a role model at that point being a grad student. So I felt like I had to be as authentic as I could be because I, if I want other people to do that, then I, I, I felt in me that I had to be able to do that too. I can't expect somebody else to do it if, if I'm not doing it. So,
0: right. So it sounds like, you know, as you were going through through life, you kind of, slowly but surely kind of gained emotional intelligence of like who you wanted to be and then slowly got courage through affirmations of other people to live your most authentic self and not uphold, I guess, the ideals placed on you, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, and so I guess as you think now, your your current experiences of life, um, how would you now, I guess, define masculinity in comparison to like in the past? <laughs>
1: I definitely would say it's not as rigid as I as I believed it to be. Um, you know, as a as an identity, it's just as complex and just as nuanced as um, many other identities. And so, the best way I can try to describe this is like, okay, so for my for my personal definition, which by the way I don't think I have one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for my personal sort of outlook on masculinity that's mine, right? That, that's purely mine. And I will sort of continue to allow that to be myself or to, to be my own and transform over time. But yours, Alex is yours, right. right? Your, your version of it is yours. And it is okay if those are different. <laughs> and the reason why I believe that is because we have, we're going to have different life experiences no matter what. And if I place this definition on it, uh, it almost signals like a, uh, uh, for not, maybe not necessarily for me, but I, I have seen other people be like, well, you don't fit into this definition, so that makes you less of a man. Right. And, and I don't ever want to do that to you or to any other, um, you know, man that I meet that is trying to figure this out too, right? Like I, I only know what it's like to be Robbie and all the other identities that come with that. So being a white man, being a straight man, being a cisgender man, able-bodied, and so on and so forth, I know what my experience is like with masculinity, um, and I'm not here to tell you that yours is wrong, <laughs> right? Now, if you were to sit here and say, well, I think that men are, uh, you know, to be masculine is better than being feminine, I might have a conversation with you about that just to get to the root of like, what do, what do you mean by that? Because that to me is harmful in a way, um, but at least we can have a conversation about it, right? Mm-hmm. I that that's a good starting point
0: okay <laughs> yeah so it's, it's so funny that you say that so uh and to kind of prepare for this um i, I used the instagram poll to see like people's personal definition of masculinity you might have saw it on my <laughs> ig story yes um, and in my mind i was like oh, i'm about to get a lot of responses and give me lots of of content i probably had six people reply over two platforms and i was like oh uh oh, this is this is more complex than others uh and so like <laughs> The responses really kind of confirm that. So I'm going to tell you some of the responses that I got. Okay. Some are some are very pointed and interesting, but I'll just say it anyway. <laughs> okay. uh, so the first one I got it says testosterone and lots of it. That's it. Mm. I said okay, all right. I, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> okay. Another person just put white men. Mm. I said even even more interesting. That's a higher ed person that wrote that. Um. <laughs> then another <laughs> person put when he steps up for anything, uh, even though he knows that I can handle it. So, okay. Mm. All right. Uh, another person put principled and confident, and then another person she put over two posts. But she was like, "I feel like my idea of masculinity has been skewed by my stereotypes and my upbringing." And so, to her, it's the idea that someone is strong, powerful, and a provider. Do you have any thoughts on that? Any?
1: <laughs> do I have thoughts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing about it to me is people are interacting with um, your question coming from their own experiences. So I can't um, like, I never fault somebody for telling me what they believe based off of what their experiences have been. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to help people sort of open up to the possibility of other definitions or other possibilities uh, with within this topic. And so when I hear like testosterone and lots of it, Okay, well, traditionally that sounds right, but as we know, there you know there are varying levels of testosterone and um, estrogen in everybody, and and yes, your your uh, sort of gender makeup might play a small role in that, but the reality is is it doesn't define what masculinity is, right? Um, and and that's. That I know that, that I just said I wasn't going to tell you what 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 the definition is or isn't, but if we're gonna if we're gonna say something as objective as that, then um, I find it necessary to sort of counteract that. I mean, you can still believe what you believe, but you have to recognize that if that is the belief that it, it is limiting people and their mm-hmm. in their expression of um, of their own masculinity. When I think of uh, can you can you repeat that second one you said. Uh...
0: I think the second one I said was white men.
1: White men, yeah. So when I think of when I think of masculinity for myself, that is, you know, historically that was the first thing that I thought of because I was centering myself. Right. I was I was centering my own identities. Um, When I got to college and then into grad school and into this job that I'm in now, I started thinking of it as like, okay, yes, masculinity to me could be this, but to the next person. They might not be or they people might interact with that question and say what their are um, what the most negative thing that they could possibly say is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that right. could be, yeah.
1: And for a lot of people, that's white men. And honestly, for myself, <laughs> if I'm looking at history, I mean, white men have been the the prime uh, group that have caused the most trauma to other groups. I mean, you you don't have to go very far in the the timeline of the world to see all of the ways (laughs) that this same group that I identify as and with has caused so much harm to so many other people. Um, And I think that's why this is such a, a passion area of mine, because I'm a firm believer that, you know, it is not the responsibility of anybody else but the white men, because the white men created the problem. It's nobody else's responsibility to take that apart and to try and change the narrative or um, completely deconstruct it and reconstruct it differently. Nobody else's responsibility but the white men. I mean, other people can play a part in that, yes, and should, yes, but it should be in my book that it should be the, the, the white men that are um, leading the charge there. It's nobody else's responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. You know, <laughs> um, um, Yeah, go ahead. I,
0: I think this is like so interesting. So like the more I like talk to people about like masculinity, like people have an idea what it is, but when you ask them to define it, they don't really know. Uh, and so like that really, I guess is like interesting to me because when I'm working on a college campus, you see lots of different things that are seen as masculine or like not. Um, and, oh, yeah. and like all of all people. So like, let's say a woman, so like masculinity is supposed to be like a man being strong and like assertive. Uh, right. But if a woman does it, as being an angry woman. And it's like, no, it's really not like anything different. Right? Like the the quality trait of assertiveness can make both definitions uh, and like be totally okay in each one. Uh, And so like, I just, I'm very intrigued to see like the things that people think about what masculinity is. And like, then I think, where does that come from? Right? So like, why do you have to be strong? Why do you have to provide? Um, I'm very much into like pushing like gender stereotypes. So like when me and Mm -hmm. Jasmine, right? Like oftentimes she'd be like, I cook and you and then you do this. And I'm like, we should both cook and we should both do this because like it's, <laughs> this is something that we both should do, right? And so like we alternate paying for dates and we alternate for doing different things. And I just think society has this like idea of like what a man should be, but like oftentimes it's, it's really not the most practical way to like navigate it in life. And so it's always just very interesting to see uh, people's thoughts and really like emotions around what masculinity really is or not.
1: Oh yeah, well, let, let me ask you this. When is the first time that you um realized what masculinity could be right not not what it may be what it, it is traditionally but when's the first time you realized what it could be to you
0: like going away from like the norm of what is told? yeah uh i'd say like high school okay um i played sports so like you know just like you say like the the role of like coaches in your lives and they kind of tell yep. you like you know, a man should be like this or like in sports, there's lots of like hyper masculine (laughs) traits that they just like, you need to be tenacious and strong and never show weakness. And I'm like, okay, but like, that's, that's not me. Like I'm just out here playing. Like it's not that deep. Right. Right. Uh, And then I'd say like, well, like a lot of my friends, like, like I wasn't afraid to like hug dudes, like dap you up and like hug you. Like that wasn't something like I was afraid of or like having emotions. Like that. that wasn't something that like I was afraid of, but that was, And I lived in a military town. Like, I think there's lots of layers that went Mm. into collective thought of what a man is. Cause most people's family, at least where I went to school at, like somebody in their family probably was military. And so, like, I think there's some like layers to like if their family structures, their demands in their lives are probably like these strong, disciplined men that do this. And so, like, that wasn't always me. Like, I wasn't, I was a skinny basketball player. I wasn't strong. I wasn't the fastest. Like, I just kind of, did my thing and I was just like, I'm all right. I'm just, I, 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 enjoyed going to school and like I had good grades. And so like, that was against what was seen as like expected for guys like, Oh, why do you have, you have AB honor o, Alex? I'm like yeah, like, what you mean? Like that's, 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 that should be normal. Right. And they're like, nah, other dudes aren't doing that. And so like, I think my, like my honors classes, there was like, maybe like 10 guys and the rest of the class is women. So like 20 girls and guys. And it's mm-hmm. like, that kind of showed me like there's different ways to do it because I had so much access to like women, like they didn't really like demand of me to be this like hyper masculine yeah. dude. So that's kind of when I first noticed
1: that. Yeah. See, and and it's interesting. See, So you, you said uh, you grew up in a military town. Do you feel like that specifically that that fact played a, uh, sort of a role in seeing the potential of masculinity? Or do you feel like that was just sort of a ingrained part of, you know, who you were kind of thing?
0: Uh, I think it was just like ingrained. Uh, I think another okay. layer of like what life was is like, I grew up to like a single mom, but like, I have a lot of aunts. I have like seven or eight aunts. Okay. So like a lot of them, I spent a lot of time with them. And so I never really, they never pushed on me. Like Alex says, man, you need to do this. Don't cry. It was just kind of like, Hey Alex, be you. Uh, and mm. so like, I think that helped me not be stuck in the cycle of, uh, be, like, what masculinity is supposed to be. And, like, my mom never also expected me to be, like, the provider in the house. Like, you know, some people's, like, single mom would be, like, this is my, like, they pretty much treat their child like a like a spouse. Yeah. Uh, my, my mom didn't do that for me. And so it was just kind of like, Alex, your kid, <laughs> live your life. You play basketball. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out all the things on the back end and just be okay. And so I think that helped me understand there was a second narrative, too, because a lot of my teammates were, like, pretty hyper-masculine. And I was, like, a little different. Like, I was cool enough to kind of blend in, but I also wasn't afraid. Like I was on Facebook today, and there's this old picture of me in Algebra Two class, and I had this pink, mm. this pink mechanical pencil. Mm. And somebody commented, was like, "I see you with that pink pencil," and I was like, "It's just a pencil, y'all. <laughs> Why?" <would> you... <laughs> and so, like, it made me think about, like, man, like this really was like ingrained. Like I just wasn't about it, or like being like afraid to to do certain things that just weren't seen as like quote unquote masculine.
1: Yeah. No, I. It's funny. I remember wearing the very first time, the very first basketball game. So when I was in uh, when I was in high school, I was on the freshman team, and we had to dress up. The coach's expectation: we dress up every game day, sit in the front of the class, whatnot. So mm-hmm. the very first game, I wore a pink tie, and I cannot tell you the amount of people that made it a point to comment, "Oh my God, like why are you wearing a pink tie?" Mostly men. There were some women too but it, you know mostly men uh, that were laughing at me and they were like well, you know you're you're a girl if you're wearing that color and it's like we that is such an ingrained belief that <laughs> pink or any shade of pink means feminine and blue and any shade of blue means masculine like wh- <laughs> like why did we who decided this first of all <laughs> like I don't know. You, you know, um, I know, uh, but, but for real though, like that's, you're joking, but that's like pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, for, for answering that question, I feel like you, you sort of express specifically high school and then onward, like what, uh, the pressures may have been for, for maybe your friends or your teammates or whatever. And I think about how hypermasculine tendencies um, are learned so young, and then it hurts you literally until you unlearn it, and even afterwards. Sometimes it is going to hurt everybody around you, and then it's going to hurt you sometimes. <laughs> uh, and I tell people this all the time. Like we talk about patriarchy and it, it uh, how it sort of impacts every group in the world. Mm -hmm. but how it negatively impacts men too. Like, and I'm not here to say, you know, this is not an all lives matter comment kind of thing. (laughs) This is a, a, like, men created this system, this very rigid system, and it is quite literally a form of self-harm in some cases um, because you are cutting off everything that makes you a human being. And you're saying you have to be this sort of, uh, you know, traditionally this sort of stoic, emotionless, logical person and you learn all that as you're growing up it's like how how can you expect anybody to get to college and fully know the complexity of what it means to be a human if you're telling them they can't be emotional they can't be xyz right like that's Mm -hmm. to me it's not realistic to expect somebody you know to it's just not it's just not and we and men are the ones who created this system because we wanted to place ourselves higher than, than women and everybody else.
0: And then it's killing us, literally.
1: It's, it's killing us. We can't, I mean, we, I just, I actually today got off the phone with one of my friends, um, buddies that I went to college with. He just started counseling. And uh, he said, I didn't want to tell people because people thought, I, I, he said, I felt like people would think that I am weak because I'm going to counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you, I hear you. And I'm not here to fault you. The most important thing is that you are in counseling and that you're working through it. And I don't want you to ever think that it's going to make you weak because you're getting help. Because that is just, that's like the opposite of, opposite of what it means to be strong, (laughs) I think. That's wild.
0: And so I guess, do you think, I guess, hyper-masculinity, there's a term that's been going around. And I want to ask you, I guess, your thoughts on it. So toxic masculinity. Do you think it's real? Do you think it's a thing? Do you think it's fake? I guess, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Hmm. This is a really complex question for me. Um, I think, yes, I mean, I think it exists because uh, of the system that was created to uplift toxic masculinity. Uh, so when, so I mentioned patriarchy. So this system that places the uh, sort of centers men and their sort of conquest to conquer the whole world kind of thing. <laughs> um, that is seen as masculinity to those men. It's seen as toxic masculinity to everybody else, yep. at least from the folks that I've talked to about it. So um, when I look at it through that lens, yes, I, I think it's a, very, uh, it's a very real thing. But I think the reality is we're talking about somebody else's definition of what masculinity is. Um, and that that's a capital T truth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a lowercase T. My truth, and then your truth might be different. It is. This is what masculinity is, and no, if you're outside of this, then you are not a man. Uh, right. And that's that. That to me is. I mean, it's toxic masculinity, but really, you can shorten it and just say it's masculinity right now. I mean, to me, that's that's where it's at, mm-hmm. and uh, and where we're sort of trending, um, because a lot of folks are seeing, at least from what I've the conversations I've had, a lot of folks are starting to see that there are. Um, Ways out of this system <laughs> that we've created to harm everyone. So,
0: right, right. Uh, so, as I was doing like research for this, so like this weekend, I, I watched like a whole afternoon's worth of videos. So, like for, like five <laughs> or six hours. Yes, uh, there, there's videos from like American context, British context. There were just mm. all kinds of stuff. And I was watching this video and like it was like a panel of like people. So it was like 15 people, males and females. And yeah. somebody gave a t- definition of toxic masculinity, and like it was so good, I had to write it down. And so here Ooh. it is. Okay. Right, so, toxic masculinity is the harmful entitlement to actions, behaviors, and beliefs that confine society to a way of living safely. And if you don't exist within these rules that define manhood, harm will come to you. And if women don't allow those rules of manhood to exist upon them, harm will come to them. And mm. I was like, "Whoa,
1: dang, <laughs>
0: <Oof>. <laughs> I was like, "That, that's, that's heavy, but it's so yes. true." Like. You know, like if you if you don't, if you think about the violence that happens against women, like, yeah, it's because they're holding you to your shit. And then it's like, nah, I don't want to change. And so you're going to feel my wrath. And that's like <laughs> such such a terrible way to live life, man.
1: Well, it is. And, you know, I think of um, I think of the ways that men are taught control, like having to have control of people <laughs> mm-hmm. and of their own emotions. Like you have to have control of it. You, you cannot show them. And then if you do and somebody sees you, they could be seen as a threat because they might use it against you. Right. It's just such a, it's so so built on fear. It's wild. Um, no, you, you talk about the violence against women. And that's the first thing I think of when I think of toxic masculinity, actually, is mm-hmm. the ways in which women and really anybody that's not a man, anybody that doesn't identify as male or man, um, the the harm that they're going to be caused simply for existing, because they're existing in a sort of system where we are trying to, where, where men are trying to center themselves and everybody else is on the margins. It's just such a scary world. It's such a scary world. And that's why I said earlier, I think it is the, the responsibility of men, um, and specifically white men, uh, when it comes to <laughs> the trauma, it's our responsibility to lead the lead the way in fixing that. Um, and that's not to say we should be centered. It's just that we've caused the harm. We have to do something about that system that causes the harm um, so, to make uh, it better.
0: So I guess, wh- what could that look like? What are some practical things that f- starting to f- work to fix the harm could look like? Like, how does that look <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think <laughs> I think if 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 I'm imagining the perfect world, um, there would be. Uh, this is going to sound sort of controversial, but we, we would live in a uh, in a non-binary state pretty much all the time. There would be no there would be no gendered things, um, and that is not to. Uh, dismiss or minimize the experiences of men or women or trans folks it is to say that there it is basically taking the system apart completely and saying there is no hierarchy when it comes to this stuff Mm -hmm. if you are if you are a man and you want to be in the arts that is okay you want to paint your nails that is okay you want to you know uh, do something that it had traditionally been seen as uh, a feminine thing or or uh, sort of a, a something that would traditionally be seen as a woman's job, do that thing, do it with everything you got, like put everything you have into that. Because if you feel like it's a passion area of yours, you should be able to do it without fear of uh, any sort of retaliation. And I think the same thing goes for, for women and trans and non-binary folks. You want to, you want to be a CEO, you want to, whatever it is, that traditional masculine thing, you should be able to do it. And so I think that's like the end goal uh, will, do I think we'll see that in my lifetime? Probably no, not. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, well, will it happen in my my children's lifetimes? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but the things that we can do, the things that men can do right now, I think uh, the first thing is recognize and educate yourself on the harm, the harmful um, attitudes and beliefs that you personally might have, and that I still, even to this day, I catch myself saying or doing things, I'm like, wow, that is kind of terrible. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I need to really do some self work there. And I think that has to come with some sort of professional help, personally. That's, that's something that I believe is you have to have some somebody that is going to help you through that. Because for men, traditionally, we have been told we can't, we can't ask for help, right? right? I mean, we might be able to, if we're on a team, we might be able to ask for help because the team, the, the sport necessitates it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in every other way, like we're told, no, do not get help. This is one way of sort of taking that back and starting to learn what your emotions are. I was mm-hmm. telling this to my, my brother a while back, like you got to be able to experience the full range of emotions, all of them. And I'm not saying I wish grief upon somebody but you have to know how to navigate that at some point because you're going to experience it at some point. Oh, For sure. You know, and, and the same thing with heartbreak and the same thing with joy and happiness. Now that's going to look different for him because he is, uh, you know, he's he's a half black man and he's trying to learn what it means to navigate the world as a, as a black man too. Mm-hmm. So that adds a whole other layer, right? That <laughs> has a whole other probably series of layers for him. But he, you know, he he has to be able to still work to to feel those emotions and and um, give himself permission to do so. And I think that is one of the first steps. Uh, some of the other things I think can include getting involved in organizations that are going to help the groups that men have hurt. Um, you know, I think of uh, the various nonprofit organizations that are working to make sure that. Uh, trans rights are centered and to make sure that women's rights are centered. Men need to be involved in these organizations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you don't necessarily need to be um, the face of those organizations because that there's a, there's a whole lot of thoughts on that to begin <laughs> with, and we don't have enough time. But, but get involved and see what you can do. See how you can be having conversations with other men about this stuff. Um, hold people accountable. Man, the amount of men that are just complicit uh, myself included, sometimes mm-hmm. when something harmful happens, and and you know, especially when it's one man doing something to someone else, the amount of times that I haven't stepped in and have regretted it is more than both of my hands can count. <laughs> um, and that's that's something that I think about all the time. Like I could have stepped in and helped, and I chose not to because I was afraid or whatever the reason was. So that's another thing. Um, and then one of the other one of the last things I'll say is um meditate like get into the habit of meditating in some form whether it's walking meditation guided meditation joining you know a yoga group that um, is sort of centered on meditation when you meditate and i'm not going to be able to cite all the science behind it but you are centering yourself back in your body and you are paying attention to the ways in which your body functions which then allows you to pay attention to the way your mind functions. And you're able to heal in a lot of ways. You're able to heal sort of this inner voice that has been telling you you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not man enough, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to have better relationships because of it. Because you've learned how to communicate with yourself, and and because you can communicate with yourself, you're able to communicate with other people. And country. that to me, I know, right? <laughs> that is the other thing. I'm going to get on a soapbox for two seconds. Do you think? We talk all the time about communication is key. And one of the most important things you can have is communication. And, you know, we're getting into relationships. And one of the my strengths is that I'm a good communicator. And then crisis happens and you can't communicate. <laughs> and it's like, what the heck? Like, you just you told me you were a good communicator. What are you doing? You know, like, yeah. uh, but communicate with yourself, be able to talk, talk, talk. To yourself about what your maybe attitudes and beliefs are that have been harmful and and sort of um, unlearn those if you can get help with those and talk to your friends about this stuff i mean it it, it goes farther than you think it does when you start talking to your friends especially if you disagree right That's in true. my opinion
0: i agree with that <laughs> yeah uh, so all right. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this last uh, phenomena. I think you'll okay. laugh. I think the, the audience will laugh too, but I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a valuable thing. Okay. Uh, so one phrase that many people say uh, specifically, like I'd say I've heard this most from women, but also like people just in general, that all men are trash. Like it's just like as a gender, throw them all the way. They're the words. They're not emotionally intelligent. They don't know to do anything really. You're just you're just in in the way. Uh, And so I guess what would you what what would you say to people or like that phrase? Like I guess how would you how do you process that? Like do you agree with it? Do you disagree? What what are your thoughts? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think uh, my my uh, my first thought if you'd asked me this five years ago, my my immediate reaction would be defensive, Mm -hmm. Um, and my mind would go to. well, not all men, obviously, right? Like you don't mean all men because <laughs> I'm, I'm a good, you know, I, yes, yes. I'm one of the good ones, right? Yes. Um, I mean, we see that a lot right now in the world when it comes to white people. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. And that's a whole other conversation for another day. But but if you'd have asked me five, five years ago, that's what I would have said. Today, I, you know, I think that is many... You mentioned many women are saying this. I think that's many women's relationship with men. I mean that that's what it has come down to is because uh, you know men have fallen short in so many ways, um, and so many times, so frequently. You know, I can't I can't blame folks for saying men are trash. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's <laughs> the proof is there. I mean, m- women have been treated terribly by men historically, and so. Um, but what I what I will say is that is a useful tool. <laughs> it is a useful tool to get the feedback from oppressed groups about how they've been oppressed and the reasons why they've been oppressed and the ways we can move forward for healing. Um, do I think men are trash and they should all be thrown out? I don't personally believe that. No. <laughs> but... Our belief in the current system of masculinity is kind of trash. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like it, it, I mean, that's just that's what it is, and so we—that's why I'm saying we got it. We got to be able to define that for ourselves and work our butts off to make this a better place for everyone. Um, I don't know. I mean, what are what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on men are trash?
0: So I, I agree. So I think the funny part is when I one of the videos so the video um, I got the quote from. Um, the girl was like, when women say all men are trash and like, it's like an invitation, like we know all men aren't trash, but I guess an invitation for you to like now refute and kind of have a productive conversation. And I was like, Ooh, that's real good. (laughs) Um, fundamentally I would say like, I understand why people say men are trash and like, I can't, I can't disagree with those reasons. Right? Like if you look historically, if you look at many systems in life from employment to government, to all things. Um, like we do plenty of things that could be deemed trash, right? So we yeah. we we have trash qualities, right? And so um, I think honestly, m- many people in the world are trash, but like we just have trash aspects. And so like as long as you don't take it to heart and be like I'm not trash, like just understand what they're saying because like most people when you say something's trash, it's like a projection of like discontent and anger towards like something that's happening, and just they're just broadly describing it. Right. Right. Um, so I would say like men have trash qualities. We do trash things, and like I, I'm not here to argue that. And so like i'm i'm all for it like i support you but like how do we move from that how do we move forward from that because right. saying get trash like it's just going to make things worse and so like if you want to make society better like challenge men on their trash and like push them but like help them get there um that's not women's yeah. role so i'm not by no means am i saying <laughs> that's not women's role but I, I think in these conversations if you decide to go down that road, people like holding them accountable is like step one to helping them recover. Right. Cause if they don't know, like yeah. if people just say like, Oh, you're, you're doing great. They're going to think every single thing they're doing is fine. And like, huh. they'll never know to like <laughs> improve. And So, uh, call it out. Men, men are going to like that. And like, you know, our masculinity is very fragile and that's okay. Um, yeah. cause I think if it's, if you're that secure in it, like you won't, you'll understand what they're saying and then like improve or just, you know, not all men are like that. and that's that's just if that's where you are, then you're you got a long way to go in life, and that's okay. You, you're you have got some some growth to go on your journey, but you know,
1: yeah, understand. It, you said, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say you said uh, masculinity is fragile, and made me think of this quote from a poet Javon Johnson, uh, who in one of his poems he said he says um, not verbatim, but uh, my masculinity is a well hung portrait in a crumbling house. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, have I thought about that ever since I heard, first heard that poem, like oh, wow. a well-hung portrait in a crumbling house. Like we are so focused on being seen as X, Y, or Z and the foundation around us is crumbling while we're focused on ourselves. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, wow. But yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. And you, you bring up a lot of good points, especially about, okay, what do we move? How do we move forward? How do we productively move forward? Um, Yeah.
0: Because staying at trash is not going to help anybody. not going to help that person. It's not going to help the people in their lives. Anybody that's out to date, they're just going to keep getting trash version. Workplaces is going to be trash, and like nobody has time for that. And so uh, it's nobody's sole responsibility except theirs to fix it. But if you don't tell them they're they're trash, then you're not going to help. So I'm here for calling people trash. I'm off. I'm
1: oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel that. <laughs>
0: um, okay. So I guess as we wrap up, um, I always try to end the podcast on like giving people advice for things to think about in terms of like whatever the topic is. So I guess if you think about masculinity, what advice can you give to people? Cause I'd say half my listeners are probably women. And so I guess what advice would you like give them to like things to think about things to read, anything like that in terms of like helping people navigate uh, what masculinity is and how their role is to help people get to a healthy place.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I I just want to echo what I said before. I, I firmly believe um, it is the responsibility um, of those who induce the trauma to be, uh, to be leading the way in healing that trauma and making sure that it doesn't happen again. And so, I guess if I would leave if I would leave listeners with anything, it's um, things can get really hopeless really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from a place of of an immense amount of privilege. And I recognize that. But the moment we lose hope in another person's humanity, uh, I think we're defeating the purpose of having a meaningful life. And so I would urge you, if you have moments of hopelessness, that is normal and okay. But know that tomorrow is another day and there are people in this world that are trying as much as they can to to flip the script and make this a better place. And let's focus our efforts there as much as we can. I'm not saying there shouldn't be repercussions for things that other people do. There absolutely should be repercussions um, for your actions, specifically for men who cause trauma. But we have to have a collective, uh, I guess, attitude when it comes to this in terms of moving forward and being better. Um, also I will say if you know a man, if if there's anybody listening and you know, any man, just know that they're carrying way more than they, they they're probably telling you. (laughs) And, uh, they may not tell you, they might not, not ever tell you about it, but just know that they're carrying it and they're trying to wrestle through it whether they recognize it or not. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope uh, that that can help inform your relationship with them um, as much as possible.
0: Okay. Wise words from Robert Francis Williford. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, did you, would you like people, if they want to follow you and get some more of your thoughts, you want to give up your, Insta, your uh, social media handles, anything?
1: Sure. Yeah. People are welcome to uh, to follow me. I, uh, I love to tweet. <laughs> I love to... Love to have conversations, good conversations about uh, all kinds of, all kinds of topics. So my uh, Twitter and my Instagram handle are the same, and it's just my first initial. So R, my middle initial, which is F as in Frank, and then Williford, W-I-L-L-I, F as in Frank, O-R-D as in David. Um, And yeah, follow me, you know, engage with me on that stuff. Uh, challenge me in the stuff that I'm tweeting about. Help me uh, open my mind a little bit more. If <laughs> you feel like uh, you know I've got more to learn, please. And I, and I love to have conversations, so please follow.
0: Okay, all right. Follow, follow him, everybody. I'll write his information in the uh, show notes, and then we'll see you next time.